0: Welcome to the Westside Personalized Podcast, where real educators share their classroom-tested, learner-approved personalization practices. I'm your host, Andrew Easton. I hope you enjoyed today's discussion and are able to find a few valuable takeaways from the podcast. And so without further ado, let's go to the pod. All right, so Westside Personalized Podcast is back today. Uh, and I'm really amped to be over at Oakdale Elementary where I'm getting a chance to hang out with some good friends, Becky Cracky and Julie Schmitz. Who, and we're just sitting around here on a Friday morning drinking some coffee, trying to wake up. So, excuse us if we're still not up and, and ready to roll here, um, fully caffeinated on this Friday. But uh, I am looking forward to getting a chance to talk about personalized learning and their experience, being uh, that you guys are both cohort one. Educators in our district and they have had an opportunity now for what five years really uh, to kind of work on some of these personalized practices. It's crazy That's when you sort best. of put it <laughs> in that context. So I will let them introduce themselves, uh, then we'll kind of dive into some of the great things that they're doing with sixth grade here at Oakdale. So I don't know who wants to go first.
1: Julie Spitz, uh, excited about being here this morning with you, Mr. Easton. Uh, very, very blessed to work with a wonderful <laughs> teaching partner. Uh, We've been co-teaching for a few years now and find a lot of benefits from it. And personalized learning is one of the positives that has come from our experiences together. So sixth graders have had lots of positive feedback for us and they enjoy their experiences in our classroom because of our Wonderful working togetherness. (laughs) Friendship.
2: I think somebody called us this summer work wives. Oh, there you go. There you go. go. Um, I'm Becca Kratke, and I've been teaching sixth grade for 10 years now. And nine of those years have been with Julie. And we started personalized learning, as you said, with the first cohort five years ago. And I think that we really enjoy seeing kids kind of take the opportunities that we help them look at and kind of create their paths, if you will, and um, it's really exciting to see young kids doing that and getting excited about their learning, so we're excited for more.
0: Yeah, and i got to say that your story about you guys co-teaching and personalizing and all the great practices that are going on are are things that I hear as I go and talk to other elementaries. They're like, well, we're not doing what sixth grade's doing over at Oakdale, Uh, and so I mean people sort of know that you guys have really invested a lot of time and effort and energy into this, and... Uh, I appreciate you two opening up your doors to having people come in to observe. I know that has happened probably more times than we can even count. And so um, you guys have been just phenomenal example of a lot of this work. And so thanks for all the time that you put in with that. And even um, one of your former student teachers. Hannah Kupka was yeah. uh, on the podcast because she took some of the same things that she learned from her time hanging out with you guys over to Christ the King. And yeah, so, that was uh, cool. She's further in, further in that work there. She so even have like a co- uh, teaching tree <laughs> <laughs> for all of you guys. So, yeah. so stay tuned to the podcast I mean have got some big expectations. Though, some oh, God. Here we go. Um, so one of the things that just kind of in my opportunity to get a chance to, to know you both and to kind of be in here and see some more of the things you're doing in class I know that you get really focused on some of those extension opportunities by doing some pre-testing and find out what students know, and what they don't know, and when they do know something, not necessarily like having them just stay lockstep with everybody else and subjecting them to content that they already are prepared to answer and demonstrate an understanding with. And so can you kind of talk a little bit about maybe that front-end process of like how did you kind of get in this rhythm of data on the front-end or these pre-tests uh, and where that sort of goes for you then once you get some of that initial information.
1: I think that's been one of the most powerful pieces for us, realizing that we can really meet students where they're at and take them so much further when they don't have to take the standard here. here, The whole class is here, so we do pretest. I'll talk about math to start off with. Each topic that we begin, the students are given the opportunity to take a pretest, and they can test out of certain lessons or parts of certain lessons, And with that information, then, we look at where they are, and they can test out of different lessons along the way. If they do test out, they are taking a different pathway to get Mm -hmm. to the test. So they might work at a different pace. They might be a lesson or two ahead. They might not be a lesson ahead. They might just take an extension opportunity and work within that opportunity for the daily lesson. Uh, And our EY team is fantastic. We've used a lot of their resources to help us with that. There are the the tic-tac-toe menus or the math minutes. and Lots of those different pieces are what they're using for their extension opportunities, which have been helpful for us to not have to recreate all of that. That's a big piece of where people stumble along the way. Like, what do we do when they test out? Mm -hmm. So that's been a huge help. And I think Julie's awesome at giving kids what they need up front before
2: the topic has even started in math. All kids receive all of their notes. They can get them on a hard copy or they can have them emailed digitally and they use them. They actually open them in Notability if they choose to go digital. And so then she also, after she gets all the pretests and figures out who's tested out of each lesson, each kid gets a little quarter sheet taped on their math. It's called a spiral review. And they see right away which lessons they've already tested out of. So up front, they're starting off with this knowledge of. What they need to be participating, which lessons they're participating in, and then which lessons they can, depending on how much they've tested out of, but they can review the notes on their own, watch a video on their own that she supplied them with, and then they move, you know, then the pacing becomes really important because they move at their own pace. And if they complete a lesson on their own, they can look ahead and say, well, do I understand the next lesson? Mm -hmm. They have to look at those notes. They have to watch the video. They check in with me if she's teaching the whole group lesson and show me, yeah, I do understand the next lesson. Can I keep going at my own pace? And so we've I just think that's so key when you think about kids going to middle school and especially high school and understanding more about who they are as a learner and how they can advocate for themselves.
1: If they don't need to be listening to the lesson every day and one of the things I love so much is to see in the past you might have been a math learner or not a math learner Mm -hmm. and for different topics to see kids well okay I tested out of a lesson this time or oh my goodness I know geometry this is for me I can test out of more than one lesson Mm -hmm. this time and so to see the excitement they have given the opportunity to have a pre-test yeah, yeah and to just kind of piggyback off that in reading when we
2: do pre-testing you know kids are so used to being put into their reading groups based upon their reading level mm-hmm. and we pre-test by skill and so you might be strong in a particular reading skill but not a high level reading and le- lexile level sure and so those kids when you see them test out and they're like oh my gosh, I tested out of a reading lesson. And so we put their groups together based upon how they did on the pretest. and they might look around and be like,
1: I'm with that kid,
2: I'm with that kid. <laughs> like You can just see yeah. a change in their demeanor and how they begin to feel about either math or reading. Like, I can do this. Mm-hmm. And I think that was really powerful in the beginning for us to see. We had kids testing out of lessons that maybe we didn't even expect. I know that happened last year when yes. you were helping yeah. me, Andrew, and... I predicted we'd have about seven or eight kids test out, and I think I named them, and none of those kids tested out. And so that was like, gosh, do I really know my learner? <laughs> this is a little <laughs> scary. Well, but it I, was interesting.
0: I would okay. say from just even like a personalized standpoint and kind of like hearing all these different things that you bring up, one, I love that the pretest gets in the students' hands because I think sometimes we as educators know a oh, pretest is great because then I can know as a teacher where they are. And that, that is helpful. But being able to give them that feedback in a way that's not just a grade, right? So, well, you got a 70% on your pretest. Okay, cool, so I mean, I got a 70%. But then how that becomes functionally applicable to the pathway that they navigate and that they're able to be in charge of like pursuing those, utilizing that data as the driver is the next step that I think sometimes we don't always like think about or get to if you're not involved in that personalized conversation. Um, so it's awesome that you guys have that going on. And I think that what that does for culture in a class, too, and I'm kind of hearing that in what you guys are talking about, is it makes everything sort of skill-based rather than I'm smart or I'm not. <laughs> and yeah. it allows people to realize, too, that it's not a, yeah, it's, that's not a bar, like a straight line, that some people are going to excel in certain areas and not at others, and that might even not be limited to content area it might just be this particular topic that you know that we're going through at the time and so uh, to get to that experience too you want to share a little bit about kind of how as those four students tested out the extension opportunity that you gave them and and where that sort of fed back in because it was neat to think about I think sometimes educators would be great to do extension projects but I don't have the time or I don't know what that would look like is it just more problems or yeah
2: I mean I think you can If you have kids, if you decide to do a pre-test and you have kids testing out, you can make it as comfortable for you as it needs to be. Something we did last year, as you know, is when they tested out of the skill organizational patterns of text, those kids, it wasn't like they were just free from having to gain more understanding from that concept. I asked them to um, kind of with you, with Andrew, write a script for each of the different types of organizational patterns of text. And with that script, then they shot like a little skit type video. And then those were used for second graders to help them understand the different patterns. So mm-hmm. uh, kids were getting to use technology. They were getting to work with a different teacher and be more creative. And
1: well, yet and was it was too. at a higher
2: level, I feel yes. like, you know, than what I was doing in the classroom with the kids and in the mini lessons, those kids had demonstrated... The that they understood that, that, that they had the, the basic knowledge. And so that's how we enriched them, was mm-hmm. by creating the skits and using the technology piece.
0: And, and I, I feel like it definitely hit that as a target because as they came in, you know, it we as teachers know this, right? It's one thing to understand something, it's another thing to explain it to somebody else. But for them to have to organize that, and so where do we start this, you know, what parts should be in the script? Probably the definition, okay. And then we started looking at a little bit more. So, like, what if you had, like, a real-world example? That's a tough thing to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a teacher usually gives me that, right? Or it's something I identify in the text or something, but not to, like, make these connections about how this concept pertains to, you know, my day-to-day out-of-the-classroom experience. And then for them to create a skit based on one of those real-world uh, took them in an entirely different direction. And, and they did see the world, depth of
2: that. their real-world examples were much different than what probably we would have provided them with I would agree. Because it... Cause and effect was about not bringing your homework to school, you know? And (laughs) for us, like, I don't know that that's what I would have picked as a real world Mm -hmm. example. So it was cute to see that and made sense to them. Mm -hmm. The other thing I would say is with writing, you know, we offer a pretest in writing before we start each of our units and that can be done simply, we just give them a couple days to write, you know, just recently we did personal narrative and then after grading those, our curriculum that we use provides 10 mini lessons that we are to teach. So basically we read those and we decide, did this child demonstrate that they are able to write a quality introduction or a quality conclusion? Are they meeting what these mini lessons are asking for? And if they're able to do that, then they just get an email that says, well, they get A piece of paper from the get-go that says here's the lessons that you've tested out of Mm -hmm. but then the day of that lesson they get an email that says you know congratulations don't forget you tested out of today's mini lesson here's what you'll be doing and those kids just move to the other side of the classroom and they're usually still working on what the skill or the mini lesson is for that day but at a little bit higher level Mm -hmm. and it seems to be going really well I mean We've done that for I think three years now in writing and kids are excited to get the email. They're excited to to demonstrate that they already understand something. And when you think about how our curriculum works here, everybody's writing personal narratives right now, kindergarten, maybe not kindergarten, first through sixth grade. So by the time you get to sixth grade, you really should. Yeah, Yeah, you you really should. should. And we are using the same curriculum. You know, the mini lessons I think are even titled the
1: same. Some of the mentor texts between fifth and sixth grade are the same, so and I think that's where this is powerful too, because for those learners that are sitting there thinking we've learned this already, mm-hmm. you can say to them, "Well, show me that you know it, and we'll give you something else." To yeah. Learn. yeah, so yeah. Yeah. you're gonna make push them right. a little bit, and then maybe next topic they'll see, well, some people really tried hard on that pretest. Mm-hmm. they they have other opportunities. Maybe I should step up my game a little bit. So.
0: And that's what I really liked about, uh, I know, fourth grade here, and it's a practice that we did at the high school also, With when it comes to writing and just revision, hey, let's let's make videos for seven, eight, ten different revision strategies, and you know what, I'm going to go through and instead of putting all this feedback on your sheet, I'm just going to say, watch videos one, four, and seven, and that's you, and that's what you need, and we're not all going to sit here and have you go through revision step eight when you might only need to fix that twice on your paper, because most of the time you nail that, (laughs) and it's awesome, I guess, to give students that freedom to develop the things that they need to be working on rather than yeah, having to, to revisit things that they already are solid with. So last year also, just to kind of like transition to this too, I got a chance to come in and watch some of your students teach, not on videos, <laughs> um, but in the classroom. And that was that was incredible. That was one of my like, favorite days of last year, I feel like, and seeing what they were able to do. So uh, can you kind of walk us through uh, real quickly, like what that looked like, how they got set up to be in those, in that group. And there's like math going on at the same time as English (laughs) is going on. And so, I mean, there's obviously a lot of things working there that would be worth kind of sharing, I think.
1: (laughs) And the idea of having the students be in charge of the lesson that day is so powerful. The situation was a little bit unique because we had some extra time at the end of the year. Not extra time. That's not the real thing in teaching. But yeah. we did have <laughs> <It's fair. laughs> we had it's we fair. had a, a couple of weeks where we were looking at what was left, and there was a, some poetry that we needed to teach, and we had one more lesson left in math, and so we gave the opportunity to. It was more of a choice, an interest level. Do I want to continue with this math topic, or would I like to do some poetry and some creative writing? Um, Unless the, the
2: math topic was not a tested indicator. Right.
1: <laughs> so it was okay. <laughs> That's to right. Allow that Asterisk. choice. Yeah. <laughs> unique opportunity. Okay. here. Skipping indicators. And so it was interesting to see what the kids chose. Mm-hmm. Um, it ended up working out where it was about half and half. Mm-hmm. Not quite, but about half of them chose the math topic. And um, they were able to show me before the lesson that they had already mastered that lesson they mm-hmm. prepared the notes they prepared a sample uh, poem for that day and then they were the teachers and they were able to teach the group and they were the ones walking around helping check, mm-hmm. check the problems they were the ones problem solving oh. when you were stuck and helping revise and
0: <laughs> that was the part that was it. so remarkable to me Uh, Was to watch the like teacher strategies that they employed, Mm -hmm. and I'm sure it's from watching you both as well. But uh, in the math one in particular, I remember the student that was leading that group was like, "Now, if you understand what we just did, give me a thumbs up. Off to the side, if you like are still a little like curious about this, or thumbs down if you don't know." She paused, gave that great wait time, and I was like, "Gosh, look at this! I mean, this is this is pretty impressive." And I I feel
1: like coming in each morning those last couple of weeks, so much energy. The other kids in the class were asking constantly okay who's the teacher today is it one of our is it one of our classmates yeah and they were disappointed if someone hadn't tested out of a lesson and it happened to have have yeah. to be one of us teaching yeah again. i know that's so true i forgot about that we, oh. i kind of
2: had hurt feelings and they're like oh we're, you you oh, today just you it's just you, yeah. it's just you two today but that was cool i will say the other thing about that that i don't think we knew was going to happen is while the, the student was doing the teaching, it allowed for us to be more of the guide on the side for the kids that you know need you there. Mm-hmm. You know, there are some kids that just need you to be pointing at their paper, reminding them the step and moving through. And so it, it freed us to be able to do that. And so kids weren't you know completing an assignment and having it checked to find out they're all wrong. We're going to do this together mm-hmm. again. I mean, it just was really nice. It was a great way to end the school year.
0: <laughs> it was uh, it was remarkable, and and I I feel like personalized learning in general allows for more of that opportunity for the teacher to not be tied to the front and be able to be out and interacting with students in the process of learning. I know that still happens in all classes. I'm not going to pretend like I'm not saying the traditional never does that, but I think there's more time allocated to that typically because there are other resources or there's you know students up leading at the front. And, And it's awesome that with co-teaching and the setup here, because you two have a classroom that has a wall that divides it, but that wall has like a partition you can kind of separate. And So you typically, right, teach, it stays open most of the time. It does, yeah. Yeah. I don't
1: think the door has been, well, for our class meeting, we separate it. Otherwise, the door stays open. (laughs) Once a week for about
2: 25 minutes, the door closes. But other than that, yeah. Co-teaching
0: all the time. And uh, it's just, it's awesome. a powerful learning experience for them to be in this type of setting that has the flexibility that you provide uh, and the attention to their individual needs and so it's
1: really awesome. I think it's important to say here that we certainly don't have the perfect recipe. I mean sure. this isn't oh, a one-size-fits-all no. and personalized learning is different each year with each group of kids. Mm-hmm. I mean this group of students we have this year will allow other opportunities that maybe past classes haven't mm-hmm. but I do feel like Sometimes you can get a little overwhelmed with thinking about, oh my gosh, you personalize in math, and I don't do that in reading, and you, you give a pretest for writing? How is this possible? And this process has been baby steps along the way to get mm-hmm. to, and we have so much more that we still can try and accomplish as well, but it has been a slow process and implementation along the way. And it's
2: about comfort, but at the same time, you need someone with you to kind of help you guide. I don't know that we would have done as much if we didn't have each other kind of like, yeah, let's do it. Let's try Mm -hmm. it or let's push ourselves a little bit here. I mean, you have to be willing to feel uncomfortable, but yet start, like you said, with baby steps. I mean, you don't just start with everything all at once. There's no way. We still feel uncomfortable every day, I think. And that's the great thing about co-teaching. You have someone to ask right away.
0: <laughs> I'm so energizing about that too sometimes when you're like, I don't know if this is going to work, but here we go. Here we <laughs> go. <laughs> and synthesizing what you're talking about there, I think that that is so true that uh, I like recording these podcasts and having these conversations and being in the role that I'm in because I get an opportunity to go and see, well, in first grade it looks like this. And in high school swimming it looks like that. And these teachers, so much of it also is, uh, yeah who are you as an educator and what are you comfortable with and where are you in the process of being able to say okay I'm confident enough in my content that I can see the six ways to differentiate this or I feel like classroom management I have it down enough to where I am okay with the organized chaos <laughs> and, and we are all as educators as all over the spectrum with our skill set as our students are and so to personalize um, the support, the professional development, the conversations uh, and the expectations, I guess, as far as like where people are at with this work is, uh, has also been really uh, just, I think, because sometimes I feel like with initiatives, we get locked into these lockstep have-to's requirements that everyone just jumps as high as the bar is set. Um, and instead of doing that and actually being attentive to people's strengths and concerns and dreams uh, with all this, it's just been really fun. So, uh, I usually close by asking if you'd have any advice for people starting off, but I feel like we already did that. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, let's just kind of, I guess, instead say, where do, you, where do you see things going next? If you said, like, there's one kind of current hurdle that you're trying to, like, tackle or what's coming up next that you're excited to sort of personalize more than you have in previous iterations.
2: I will say that you kind of telling me about the fourth grade videos, which I knew yeah. about. But when you said that you, you know, just told kids you need to watch video one, five, and six, that's so empowering for a student, and it is actually application. We're you know working at that higher level of Bloom's. If a kid can watch a video and then go back to their paper and mm-hmm. apply what they learned in that video on their own, I mean that makes me super excited. I, that's way better than the teacher reading the paper and marking things we can do that all day long, and it doesn't mean the child really understands or is crossing over to application. Mm-hmm. It Really, that made me think, like, that's awesome. I I think that'll be a next step for me.
0: Cool, I'm, and I'm here to help out. I love that stuff. <laughs> I know
2: the guy to call. <laughs> <laughs> hey.
0: Yeah, and I, I would say with that, too, because we used to put checklists together, but it's different because the checklist is overwhelming. There's like mm-hmm. 10, 12 things on a checklist, but if you just tell me, number one and i watch one video that's three minutes or less and there's one thing that i'm looking for and i get really engrossed in that and then move on to the
2: next thing and i feel
0: like it sort of chunks it in a way that yeah, makes it more manageable too
2: you're right every reviser or editing checklist is so overwhelming to me let yeah. alone
1: a sixth grader it makes sense i i feel like for me I have a pretty good system that works for math. I don't want to get stuck there because I feel like there's still more I can do or mm-hmm. things I can tweak and change. But right now, my my brain is spinning with the science curriculum and just trying to think what other opportunities I can allow for students that as this program continues. Because it's a new they... science curriculum. It just is new. People, yeah. um, but I think as the years build, what did they already gain for knowledge in fifth grade that they don't need to investigate again? Mm-hmm. For me, it's finding the other experts around me that can come in, give them so much more knowledge, and the depth of knowledge could be a lot deeper. Yeah. Um, so the science piece is what I'm working on next. <laughs>
0: awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, I'll just close by saying, again, thanks for all the work that you guys have done and efforts that you put into that and your willingness to share like this summer in Minnesota and, and on the <laughs> podcast today. Uh, and it's just been fun. It's awesome to be part of a district that has people that are just out advocating for what I passionately believe is in the best interest of your kids. And so uh, thanks for your time this morning. Thank you. Well, that's a wrap on another great episode. For more information or to contact us directly, you can email our team at personalized.learning at westside66.net. As always, thanks for tuning in and learning from the Westside Personalized Podcast.